Well, hi everyone, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another One on One podcast. I have with me today Ali Bora, who is Director of Product Marketing at Adobe Audience Manager. Did I get that right? That's right. Excellent. And you are in town probably for a number of reasons. One reason is that we're plunged into New York's Advertising Week this week. That's right. It's uh, the yearly conference that we love to go to. Uh, This year, Adobe's got a pretty, uh, very strong presence, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've got uh, a number of panels that that Adobe speakers are going to be sitting in. And then we've got a huge think tank that we've put out and set up in the middle of Central or in Times Square where we're uh, inviting kind of luminaries uh, in the space and kind of doing interviews with them as well. I've got so, to go down and look at that. That's, that's near, your, near your office in Times Square, yeah? That's right. That's right. Right on uh, 1540 Broadway. Excellent. And uh, we would love to have you there. It's, it's <laughs> an open invite. Come, come in and, and chat with us uh, on, on anything that you like. Nice idea. Nice idea. Okay. Now, before we um, hit record, we were just chatting informally about the the background to the Adobe DMP, which of course is known as Audience Manager. And you were explaining to me how DMPs started out as really a solution for display advertising, um, but they've evolved. So maybe we could just pick that up. How, how has it evolved? Over yeah, the it's, years? it's meaningfully evolved. And again, I think going back to your point around the context of the kind of focusing on display, you know, when you're really looking at delivering an experience within a single channel, there's a certain number of, you know, kind of signals that are important for that channel. So for display advertising back in the day, those signals were really think about the, the traditional heritage around analytics or first party signals that are coming in from either your website, a marketer's website, or a mobile app. Uh, including maybe some, you know, kind of nascent third-party data that was uh, that was trickling in at that point, um, you know, about seven, eight years ago. And like I like you mentioned, that's meaningfully evolved, right? If you look at the channels that uh, marketers are using the DMP to inform, be it from social to video to mobile channels as well, the signals have also evolved, right? So the signals that we're bringing in move beyond just the website itself but into the mobile app, into the mobile web, think about um, in-store purchases that are happening or, um, you know, kind of transactions that may be happening in real time that uh, are now being able to be brought into a centralized platform that can then go and inform experiences across those different channels. Okay. Now, how does the DMP sit in the, the broader Adobe ecosystem. I mean, how does it link into things like media planning, media purchasing? Yeah, absolutely. So it's great. So if you think about the way that the Adobe Experience Cloud, which we uh, announced and kind of launched mm-hmm. in March at our at our annual conference at, uh, at Summit, Adobe Summit, um, the DMP is actually sits with and uh, very closely ties together with the our analytics solution. So the Experience Cloud is broken up into three kind of key components: the analytics cloud, uh, the marketing cloud, and the ad cloud. Okay. And so the analytics cloud com- consists of both the analytics solution, so things that uh, traditionally folks have known as the the on- the armature solution, yeah, uh, including the um, the audience manager DMP solution. And so the way that the, the, and that was a purpose purposeful decision, right? The way that we and our customers have traditionally looked at analytics has been, hey, how do I understand and get a deeper understanding of my of my customer? Mm-hmm. So we've been calling that customer intelligence, right? How do I get a, a, a much kind of holistic view of, of the way that the consumer is engaging either with my brand or with my content? And the reason why we brought the DMP into that house is because the DMP has a very unique set of data that sits t- uh, outside the traditional analytics platform. Right. And if you think about that data, it can be third-party data that you're bringing in from a major data provider. It can be media engagement data as well. So as you're delivering an experience on a display ad or on a video ad, and you are looking at impressions, clicks, engagement, those engagement metrics can now be brought in into one central place, 
and overlaid with the traditional analytics metrics that are happening either on the website or potentially in the store as well. Um, and then to go a little bit deeper mm-hmm. into, into your question, the way that uh, traditionally the DMP has, has worked within the larger um, kind of ecosystem has been that we're agnostic. Right, so oh, we bring okay. in data from the marketing cloud, absolutely, the experience cloud, absolutely. But we allow our customers to then create segments, audiences, and be able to find those audiences on any platform that they're working on. That could be with uh, DSP like Media Math. It could be with uh, Google, mm-hmm. right? So the DMP is really sitting as the hub that's connecting the experience cloud out with the rest of the ecosystem for, for personalization. So a customer can find, can define an audience, find it in within the DMP's data and then export, if I'm putting it correctly, export that audience to some other execution tool to... That's that's absolutely right. So that's, and, and this has been kind of table stakes, I would say, mm. for, for a while now in the DMP space. So I would say there was another shift and kind of monumental evolution of the DMP about two years ago, where it wasn't really, it wasn't just solely focused on um, personalization across channels. Right. It was It was understanding a, the identity of a consumer based on what devices that they use. So thinking about it from an identity management solution that sits on top of this kind of cross-channel personalization. Because if you don't know the kind of personal device ecosystem that I personally use, right, that I'm on my iPhone in the morning and tablet in the evening and whoever, who knows how many other connected devices I may, may be trickling through throughout the day, without that insight, Everything that you do from a personalization perspective, be it you know uh, suppression marketing, where somebody's you know purchased a purchase a product and you no longer want to be able to, to market to them, yeah. to frequency capping, right, to become more efficient with your media, without that identity identity management layer, a lot of that becomes almost uh, minute, right? It becomes a little bit obsolete uh, if you don't have an accurate portrayal of, of a cross device identity. Okay, and the uh, the identity management, knowing the consumer, this information is available. So the marketing cloud as well as the advertising cloud, is it all coming from a single source, in other words? Yeah, so there's a couple of different vectors that most of our customers um, kind of leverage within the experience cloud. So the first from an identity, identity management perspective is the ability to deterministically st- stitch together identities. So a deterministic, as, as most folks that are probably listening to this podcast know, is a way for us, is a way for the user themselves, the consumer, to declare who they are on a given on a given device. And that typically happens through an authentication event or an email, and the, a couple of there's a number of different kind of deterministic signals that, that go along with that. So within the Experience Cloud, we have a proprietary deterministic solution that sits within um, within the Audience Manager, right? Okay. So we call that Profile uh, Merge, yep. um, and that's our ability to take in those signals and be able to say, okay, this iPhone device that you logged into in the morning and you logged again into your tablet, we're able to stitch those two things together and know that they're, they're from, the same, from the same user. Within the experience cloud, there's also a notion of a, a larger identity. And so this is what, we're, what we refer to as our uh, Adobe device co-op. And oh, yes, yes. In the co-op, we've, uh, we, we announced that um, a little bit earlier in the year and it's gained massive traction within, within uh, our customer base. So right now we're uh, a little bit north of 40 customers who are leveraging that. And the co-op has a really very kind of interesting premise and a very powerful, um, uh, at the end of the day, solution, which is the ability to essentially create a reciprocity model around identity. Yeah. So one of the challenges with identity management is that deterministic data is very limited. So any given customer may have anywhere between 10 to 15% insight deterministically into the devices that uh, end up coming onto their, onto, their, onto their sites or onto their uh, mobile environments. 
the co-op's premise is to be able to pool together multiple customers yeah. who are in a rust processing model. The data that you bring into that co-op around identity and devices is also being able to be to help inform other customers who are also part of that co-op. I think that's a one of those ways, if you think about kind of the big um, kind of narrative around walled gardens and, and yes. the advantages and disadvantages of being in a walled garden, this is a very open and an agnostic approach, right? This is our ability to extend at scale identity for Adobe customers. Um, who are looking to do, you know, you know, deliver experiences and, and both relevant and engaging experiences to, to consumers. So they, the, the customers opt in, they share their data in an anonymized way, and everyone benefits from the, from the larger scale. That's correct. Uh, every customer that, that opts in uh, will benefit from, from that opt-in yeah. and be able to participate within, within the, the, the co-op. And the key notion here is that, um, you know, we've done everything from, from the DMP side to the Alex side with privacy in mind. Right? So one of the key things that we do is that the data is exactly what you mentioned, which is anonymized. Um, you know, we're not looking at any kind of PII data that's yeah. that's tied to any of these uh, devices. The the pure thing that we're really kind of sharing here is the device uh, graph itself, meaning mm. the the ability to stitch one device ID to another device ID, right. and that association is the key key kind of signal that's being that's being leveraged. Now, in terms of general themes, and you know how how we're doing when it comes to understanding customer identity and customer profile, I still hear people saying. We're not there yet. We've got a lot of great technology, but getting really that 360-degree view and being confident that you're sending the right message to the right customer is still a struggle. I mean, one example uh, I'd give is that I've noticed recently that um, advertisers are getting very good at identifying me across a number of devices and retargeting me, but the message is often just the wrong message. I've been... Persistently retargeted with products I've already bought, for example, which obviously you don't want to happen. Um, how how good is the the outcome getting to be at the you know the end where the advertiser is actually addressing the consumer? Yeah, so it's a, that's a packed question. Uh, so I want to try to unpack. <laughs> right. I want to try to unpack it uh, if I can, if I've yeah. got the time. Um, so there's I think there's two dynamics at play. So the first dynamic is a te- technological dynamic, which is does a marketer have enough data to truly understand their consumer. So you were mentioning what they do across devices. I would also argue what they're doing in the real world versus the digital world and how do you stitch that together. A lot of this requires the need to be able to see signals that have traditionally been considered PII Mm -hmm. with anonymized signals. right? And if you look at the general market and you look at the technology vendors that that kind of service this, uh, there's a dearth of solutions that are out there. I think Adobe has a really unique position here with our Adobe Cloud Platform uh, that we announced back at Summit, is the ability to actually have the right permissioning controls, right? It's around permissibility uh-huh. is the key condition that a marketer needs, mainly because there's also separate regulation and things and things of that nature around the, the, the PII side of things. But for us to be able to bring those two things together, I think in the general market, it's known as customer data platform, CDPs, oh, sure. to have okay. a holistic view of a con- consumer, both as they engage with you anonymously, as they declare who they are by maybe logging in or you know ser- signing up a survey, um, to all the, to you know being a consumer and purchasing products on your on your site or in the store, that entire journey 
is really kind of con consolidated within this notion of a customer data platform. And that is one of the key things that I think that we are leaning forward on mm. and probably ahead of anyone else in the, in, in the game right now in terms of being, bringing that to fruition and working with our customers to understand what are those right uh, kind of components, the levers that are needed for permissibility. So that's the technology, technological side. Sure. And then there's uh, something that's a little bit more qualitative. I don't think you can quantify it uh, to the same degree, which is should marketers be personalizing experiences um, to, to the degree that they are. Right. And you were mentioning that, you know, there are certain experiences that you have that are not, you know, phenomenal, not great, which is which is unfortunate. So mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. Me personally, I yeah. uh, just recently had a, had a baby. She's uh, four weeks old. So the way I look at the, you know, I was thinking about this actually earlier, um, kind of coming into Ad Week, is the way that I've seen certain marketers uh, exhibit personalization, right? So I am a big fan of Kiehl's products. So, okay, yeah. Right, so thinking about lotions and, and creams and all that kind of good stuff. And it's one thing for a marketer to be able to come to me, and let's say it's, you know, a brand I've never heard of. It's another cosmetic brand, never heard of it, and they, and they know that I just had a baby. And they're pushing, you know, their eye cream on me, thinking that, you know, I'm going to need that given the fact that I'm getting no sleep. Versus me having a relationship with Kiehl's and having a trust of that brand mm -hmm. and knowing that I have enough experience and they, them knowing that I have enough experience buying products in their stores, buying products on their site, that if they know that I have a child and I, I just recently had a child, I'm okay. I actually prefer them to be able to deliver that experience to me Interesting. Um, and being able to do that in a relevant way. And the analogy that I do with this is if I was walking on the street today, right now, and a random stranger came up to me and said, hey, you look like you need this eye cream, you look like you're tired, versus a very good friend coming to me and saying, hey, you know, I know you've had a, you've had a baby, you probably are not getting a lot of sleep, hey, I've tried this before, it's awesome, it's an awesome you know, eye cream, use it. In the latter experience, I probably would be offended by that person coming to me, whereas the, 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 you know, the, the former experience yeah. is much more one where I feel like, hey, I'm being, I'm being treated well and with respect, and it's for the benefit of me, right? So very similar. I, I look at that analogous to the way that a random marketer who I don't have a relationship with can, yes, they can try to personalize that experience for me, and it's personalized. I, I have a newborn child. I probably do have bags under my eyes, as you can see. Um, <laughs> But, you know, the, the, what I take away from that experience is meaningfully different between a trusted brand versus somebody who's going out and, and doing it randomly. That's a great way of looking at it. In, in other words, the customer experience, the valued customer experience, isn't a matter of just seeing a trigger and hitting somebody with a message. It's more, um, uh, I know it's a life cycle thing, but it's more an ongoing relationship with, with the customer. It, exactly. It goes back to the, the point that I was making before, which is should our brand yeah. personalize and when should a brand personalize I, I think that's probably the better way of saying it, is when should a brand personalize uh, those experiences and I think that's going to that's going to vary right that every brand has a different strategy a different tactic there but the ones that you know the brands and the customers that we've seen really engage and who, who gravitated to this notion of the experience right mm -hmm. being able to deliver an engaging and delightful experience to their consumers understand that you know brand brand affinity brand um uh, loyalty has a meaningful kind of value that they can use to better personalize versus, um, you know, a brand where, you know, their their key target may be to acquire a customer, right. uh, which has a completely different set of tactics around that. Got it. Okay. And we're running out of time here. I just wanted to throw it over to you. Are there any other uh, interesting, absorbing trends you're seeing in the space at the moment? 
Yeah, there's an. <laughs> no, we we're, we're, wrapping, we're wrapping up. Yeah, <laughs> we're wrapping up. Yeah, so I think there's, you know, we were talking about it a little bit earlier about AI and ML mm-hmm. and how that's going to play a pretty meaningful uh, part in being able to unlock the value of all this data that's coming in. Um, right, I, I think it's very well known that you know the amount of data that marketers have at their their fingertips, it's almost impossible to unlock that value. It is impossible yes. to unlock that value manually. Right, so I think one of the big trends that we're we're going to see probably over the next four to five years is how does the role of the marketer actually change, right? And how does that evolve? And what is their, what is their goal going to be? And what, is their, what, what are they going to be tasked with kind of seeing through mm-hmm. as AI and ML and more kind of advanced algorithms come in to really unearth value from the data that's coming in? And I think that's going to be, again, I, do, I don't have a clear answer for you on, right. on kind of where that's going to land, but I think that's going to be a pretty big topic or, and a pretty big kind of shift Around the way that the market, that way the marketers actually work within their organizations and their enterprises. And I, I must admit, there's a question which has been on my mind: is the extent to which marketing within a brand should be owning AI and machine learning? Because one thing I've heard from Adobe, the customer experience runs right across marketing, sales, support, and you can trace it back to inventory, supply chain, 100%. everything. So, if AI is going to play a role right across the brand, as I think we all suspect it will. It's going to be interesting to see who ends up owning it. It's, um, so let me, I'll give you one more anecdote around, um, and this is a little bit more tied to the DMP and the analytics mm. side, but I think uh, the same analogy pl- applies really well for AIML. The customers that have actually seen massive success adopting the experience cloud mm. understand that there is a need to centralize customer intelligence within their organization. And that is, and those customers and marketers who have centralized customer intelligence, who have a team that is focused purely on understanding the consumer, both in an anonymous fashion, PII fashion, both existing customers and prospects, uh, all the way through that customer journey. I think that team, those marketers who've done that and created that team have seen massive um, multiples in terms of value that they've gotten from their their technology investments. And I I feel the same thing around AI ML. And again, I... I think it's, gonna, it's very early days. It may end up sitting in the same customer intelligence yep. uh, team that you know, a lot of these large organizations are creating. Uh, it may be something completely different, right, um, that, that's tied to another centralized uh, team that's managing all kind of advanced you know, kind of insights and, and algorithms. Okay, there's space we're going to be watching with great interest. Thanks for your insights, Ali. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Kim. And everyone look out for the next one on one podcast.